pastors here at Focus 314, and today we are starting a brand new series based off of a book by Pastor Levi Lusco called I Declare War, an inspiration that we have from that book, a powerful book, and I would encourage you to go ahead and pick that up sometime. Today's message, though, is something that, that we're going to be able to see different from what the book, like I said, it's inspired by it, but I believe that God has something powerful for us this summer. I don't want to just see this summer be something that we sit back and relax and be passive about, but that we're going to be aggressive towards the calling that God has for us, that we're going to go after everything that he has for us. And we're going through this series that we are going to declare war. Come on, somebody. Who's ready to declare war today? And some of you might be sitting in here saying like, uh, well, why? Why do we? Why do we need to be able to declare war, right? Like you, you could even go on to the, you can see next one. Why do I need to declare war though? Keep going on. Why do I need to declare war? If you're like, you're talking about this. Why do I need to declare war? I would say to you today, it's because you are already in one. Many of you understand that life is not just simply a playground, but life is a battleground. And we're going to make the choice to declare war. Why? Because it's already happening. You're already in the middle of one. Scripture is very clear that you are in a war. It talks about many different fronts that are happening that you are in war. In fact, here are some of them. Who are you warring against? Number one, you're warring against the devil, aren't you? There is a spiritual enemy. And his name name is the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, Lucifer, whatever you want to say. You're at war against him. You absolutely are. There is an element of the spiritual realm that we need to be aware of. Who are you at war against? There's another one that you're at war against. You're at war against the world, aren't you? Now, I'm not talking about like, like, like the physical world. Like, I'm not, like when you're watching Planet Earth or Nat Geo or something like that. Like, I'm not You're not at war with the oceans, okay? Like, I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying what you're at war with and what Scripture shows us is that we are at war with the culture of this world. Some of you know that to be very true, don't you? We live in a world that is pushing us away and is fighting against the reign of God and the rule of God. We have an entertainment culture that wants to push against God's reign. We have an educational culture that wants to declare war against what Scripture has for us. Some of you know it to be true on a very personal level as well, don't you? You you were, man, you had a life-changing moment where where you said yes to Jesus and and you were so excited and and your life started to change and and then all of a sudden the friends that you had before, they're like, why are you doing that? Why are you, you shouldn't change. I want to go party. I want to go do this. What do, you, what do you think you are? Some like holier than thou person? Right? So many people think that that's what church is full of holier than thou people, right? Some holy rollers. And in fact, I, I would suggest to you today that the exact opposite is true. That the people who are in church, who are following Jesus, they understand 
I'm the worst of the sinners. I'm so much worse than what you are, which is why I desperately need Jesus in my life, right? I'm the chief sinner. Out of every one of the sinners in here, I'm saying I'm the chief of all of you all. And we just desperately need Jesus. We know it to be true that we see battles waging going on. Some, some of us, though, we, we understand, though, that even though that we're at war against the devil, even though we know that we're at war against the world, we understand that there's a bigger enemy that we are fighting. And the enemy is yourself. The enemy is yourself. There's this thing that happens inside of each of us. Uh, that we're, we're born with this thing, this theological term that's called the fleshly nature. This humanness that we all have. And this humanness that we all have wants to rebel. Right? Wants to rebel against everything. If you've ever seen a two-year-old, you understand what that's like, right? Like, it just happens. Did you eat that brownie? No. You've got chocolate all over your face. Don't tell me what to do, right? And we are still doing that today. How many of y'all sped as you were coming to church today? Anybody? Nobody did, right? Ain't no sign telling me what to do. There's this fleshly nature that we have that wants to push against what we know to be true and we know to be right. But there's this amazing thing that happens when we say yes to Jesus, when we have a relationship with him, is that this fleshly nature is gone. It's this old man and it is gone and a new creature comes around. We saw this verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that Pastor James and Darren talked about this verse last week. And it says this. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, can I say, can I get an amen from anybody who belongs to Christ today, right? That, that's saying yes to a relationship with Jesus. That anyone who belongs to Christ, that you've become a new person. You, you've heard it called being born again, Right? That's what it is. You become a new person that this old person, this old man, the old woman that was there before, the fleshly nature that this old person is gone and that there's a new person here. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Has anybody experienced that today? Can you just say amen to that? But, but there's still this old nature that's around isn't it there's still this thing inside of us that that is there even though the new being is here i've been born again that i'm not perfect and and inside of myself there's this war that's waging on right in fact even though that i'm a new being in christ i'm not going to find perfection until eternity until we're all with him. And so while we're here on this earth, we are all going to be in this battle of pushing and pulling and the tug of war of how we know we should live, but how we actually do live. I don't know about you, but I'm my own worst enemy, right? I just am. I know how, I know how to self-sabotage. 
I know you know how to self-sabotage. You've been doing it your whole life. You've gotten really good at it, right? Just this past fall, just this past fall, there was this uh, uh, amazing moment, amazing prank that happened in the art world. Uh, there's this artist uh, who's known, a street artist who's known as, as Banksy. You don't know who his real name is. His name is, is Banksy. And just this past fall, that one of his pieces of, of art came up for sale uh, at Sotheby's uh, auction house. And, and the painting that was up for sale was the girl with the red balloon. Beautiful picture. You can even see like the, he has this romanticism about him that has this modern picture, but still it's got this, this golded, gilded frame, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's just powerful. It's a beautiful piece of work of art. It's going up for sale, and, and uh, the art world was, they were estimating that it was going to sell for around a million dollars. And so that day as it's up for sale, there's all of this buzz that's going on about it. Everybody's together at Sotheby's, you know, drinking champagne, talking about all the different other pieces of work of art that's around there. And, and pretty soon, uh, Banksy's piece comes up for auction. And as the auction continues to go, it builds up past a million dollars, and it actually sells for $1.4 million. $1.4 million, Right? I'm like, I'll just take the point four, you know? Like, it's fine with me. And, and Banksy, though, Banksy is known for having a little bit of a playful spirit about him. He's a street artist. He doesn't, he's not playing by everybody's rules. And so he planned a little prank. And so what happened is as soon as that gavel went down, that he pushed a remote control button and something amazing began to happen with this painting is that all of a sudden it began to go down and there was a shredder that he had placed inside of this frame. And as soon as it sold for $1.4 million, he pushed the button and the, the picture began to shred. There were security guards all over the place that were there to protect the painting from the people, but they didn't realize that the painting needed to be protected from itself. How many of y'all know that you need to be able to have protection from yourself at times? We are a masterpiece that God has created, and yet we push the shredder button many, many times. I am my own worst enemy. Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 7. He said, I don't really understand myself. Is that speaking to anybody today? I don't really understand myself because this is how, this is how life plays out for me. I, for what I want to do, what is right. Anybody want to do what's right today? Like you, Nobody woke up this morning plotting evil. There might be somebody, and I don't know about in this room, though, right? Most of us are not in that place. We want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I, I, I find myself, I want to do what's right all the time. I, I want to speak the right words to somebody, but I I, I slip up. I want to be able to, I want to live with integrity, be completely ethical at times, but man, I just, I messed up again. 
and instead I do what I hate. Why do I find myself keep going back to this old nature? There is this constant tug of war that is raging inside of ourselves. We need to declare war today. And the answer and the reason why you need to declare war is because you're already in one. And so let's go ahead and declare war. On what? Well, I don't know what it is for you. I don't, I don't know what it is that, that you're battling, or that you're at war with. It's what you're at war with. I don't, I don't know what it is. Many of you, you know immediately what it is. You know the struggle that you have. Maybe, maybe some of them are, maybe you just, you battle with moodiness. Right? I don't know why I'm angry all the time. I don't know why it's there, but I just get angry at the, at the drop of a hat. There's no reason why I should be, but I am. Don't mess with me before my first cup of coffee. Right? Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's, Maybe anxiety has such a grip on you that it leads you to constant suicidal thoughts. And it is just war that's inside of you. Many of you in here today, you're in the war of self-medication, aren't you? Self-medicating, you're going out and you're spending more than you should. You're going out and eating more than you should. You're going out and smoking. You're going out and drinking more than you should. You're going out and... And you know what it is, don't you? But it's self-medication. I feel bad, so I want to be able to numb myself from this. Some of you, it is prescription drugs. Some of you, it's non-prescription drugs. But we feel and we are in this war with self-medication. That's speaking to some of you today. Some of you, it's tearing other people down. The war that you are raging is the war of your words. Because you feel so bad about yourself that you want to be able to tear other people down so that you can feel just an ounce of, of, of I'm, I'm better than you. And there's this war that's happening. Well, I don't do it in front of them. It's just behind their back. I would never say it to their face. But you know it's wrong, don't you? We need to declare war. I don't know what it is for you, I don't know what it could be, but it's time for you to declare war. You know what it is. And so here's what I want you to be able to do because we are going to be serious about this. We're not playing around this summer. Life is not a playground. Life is a battle. Yeah. And many of you know it. Man, you're pretty intense right now, right, Pastor? Absolutely. Because your life is in the balance. There is a war going on, and it's time for you to admit it, and it's time for you to declare war on what's happening. It's time for you to be able to say, you know what? This new life and this new self is more important than the old self, and I'm done going back to that old thing, and it's time for me to find a new path, the narrow road that's going to lead me to life everlasting. I'm done with destructive habits and I'm done with destructive relationship and I'm going to start living the life that God has for me. Come on. We're not playing around anymore. It's time for you to declare war. On what? I don't know what it is for you. So here's what I'm going to have for you today. You all had talk notes as you were walking inside that on the back side of those talk notes today, there's something a little different. 
There is a declaration of war for you. And here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you today to start praying right now. God, what is it that you want me to go to war? No. What is it that I'm done with? What is it that I need to write down? And I'm going to ask you today to write it down. Write it down on that piece of paper. And don't, don't give some sanitized list. Because that's not going to be helpful for you. I declare war on being too humble. <laughs> Come on now, right? Like, it's only going to be as effective as you are honest. And then here's what I want you to do. Once you write that down, pray about it. I want you to write it down. And then I'm going to ask you to sign it. There is a line below that, and I'm going to ask you to sign it. Because every declaration needs a signature. That we're not playing around here anymore. And then I want you to date it. I want you to say, today is the day. Today is my independence day. That I am not going to stand for this anymore. I'm going to declare war on this thing right here. And so this is what's going to happen every single week during this series. We're going to have a declaration of war for you. Because I know that some of you in here right now, you're ready for today. You are ready for this. You are like, I've been waiting for this moment. I needed some encouragement to get me to this moment. There's some of you in here today that you're not ready today. But you're going to start thinking about this. You're going to start praying about it. And God is going to start speaking to your heart. And so it might be next week or the week after that, but you're going to make a declaration of war. I'm no longer going to be this person. I'm ready for the new life. And so I want you to be able to write it down, be as brutally honest as you possibly can. I want you to be able to sign it, and I want you to be able to date it. And then here's the biggest thing that I, you need to do this. You need to do it. You need to go find somebody that you know loves Jesus and loves you. And then you tell them. You tell them what you just declared war on. Because I know that we're all our own worst enemies. And there are many times that we need a spiritual brother and a spiritual father, a spiritual mother and a spiritual sister to be able to help us and get in that foxhole with us, to go to war with us. We're not in this by ourselves. We're better together. And you need to find somebody. I'm telling you, they need to love Jesus to be able to give you grace when you fail at this. And they need to be able to love you to build you up instead of using it against you. But you got to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody. We're going to declare war on whatever it is, on whatever war that you are facing. Here's something that happened. Something that we did when, when I was in the Marine Corps, it was this thing that just got you, you know, like, you know, I could go do this, you know. It just starts, you just feel it inside of your gut. We had this thing that we called it, we called it our war cry. We had to let out a war cry to be able to intimidate the enemy. We had to let out a war cry to, to maybe even bolster up ourselves. And so today, as we make a declaration of war, what I'm going to ask each and every single one of you to do today is to be able to let out a war cry. 
We're going to let out a war cry because we're going to war. So let's make sure that the enemy knows that we're going to war. Make sure that you know that you're going to war. Make sure that you are bolstered up and ready to go to war starting today. So here's what I want to ask every single person to do is to let out their war cry at the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, somebody. Woo! Man, that gets me jacked up right there. That gets me excited. That gets me ready to go to war with you and beside you. There is something that wells up inside of your spirit. You even felt it as you heard how loud that was, didn't you? It's exactly what President Theodore Roosevelt called the rising of the wolf. He called it the rising of the wolf. He said, all men who feel any power of joy of battle know what it's like when the wolf rises in the heart. When the wolf rises in the heart, that you're ready to go to war. You're excited about what is in front of you. And there's something inside of your spirit that wells up. It's the wolf. President Roosevelt, he knew this moment, the Battle of San Juan Hill. President Teddy Roosevelt, he, he wasn't born a folk hero. He wasn't born this amazing president. In fact, he was a born a sickly, asthmatic kid. He graduated high school. He was a 90-pound weakling is what he was. There were times that, that his parents weren't even sure if he was going to survive because of how sickly he was. But he had an adventurous spirit about him, and he had a father that pushed him to say, you can overcome. You can be this person. And he found this adventurous spirit when he was in South Dakota. He went to South Dakota, tragedy. His, his mother and his wife died on the exact same day. Horrible. And he said, I, I can't do this. He, he left his New York home and he went to South Dakota to be a rancher. And as he's in South Dakota, he began to understand what this, what this wilderness was like, what this adventurous spirit was like. And he, at that time, he, he romanticized war. His father, because of the asking of his mother, did not serve in the Civil War because his mother was from the South and she didn't want her husband to fight against her kin. And, and it was, he said, it's, it's the one thing, the one regret that the greatest man that I ever knew did not go to war. And so he had this, this romanticism about war and when the Spanish-American War started, he answered the call and he went to Cuba. He resigned his post as the assistant secretary of the Navy, and he got together this ragtag group of people, these volunteers called the Rough Riders. And he romanticized war so much that he actually designed outfits and uniforms just for the Rough Riders. He had Brooks Brothers do it. No joke. He wore a sombrero himself, and he had a bandana around his neck. And he made sure that he was ready for war by wearing his Brooks Brothers uniform. <laughs> but he wasn't sure how he was going to respond in battle. And many of you in here, you're not sure how you're going to respond to the declaration of war that you just made because you've seen yourself fail so many times in the past and you're doubting yourself in this moment. He doubted himself as well. Until he and the rest of the Rough Riders got to this place called Kettle Hill. Kettle Hill was on the way to the city of Santiago. And they needed to be able to go through Kettle Hill, to San Juan Hill, to be able to go and liberate that city. And all of a sudden, they got to Kettle Hill, and they began to 
face the enemy. And as he's sitting there, he's pinned down. He and the rest of the Rough Riders are up against this barbed wire fence, unable to get to the place where they needed to to overtake Kettle Hill. And as he's sitting there with, with fire going over his head, all of a sudden, something welled up inside of himself. And all of a sudden, instead of being pinned down, he got up onto his horse. He yells to the man who was laying down beside him. And he said, are you too scared to stand up while I'm sitting on my horse? And so the man stands up and is immediately shot. In fact, at the same moment, Teddy Roosevelt's glasses are shot off of his face. And so you know what he does? He reaches into his hat, he grabs a spare set of glasses, and he said, come on, boys, we're going to go take this hill. And in that moment, he said it was the greatest and defining moment of his life. And he said in that moment, that's when the wolf rises up inside of your heart and you're ready to go forward. There are some of you in here today, you made the declaration of war, and it's time to have the wolf rise in your heart. To overcome the war that you have been raging. And some of you are like, hey, I don't want to be a wolf. Yeah. Those are bad. Wolves are bad. I've read the three little pigs. Wolves are bad. In fact, I read scripture. And it says a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? And sure, absolutely, there are definitely moments where the enemy... Is, is, has attributes of other animals. And he is described as that. He's also described as a lion roaming around to see who he can devour. But if I'm not mistaken, that we serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. We see him take the form of a snake, but yet scripture also tells us that we need to be as wise as serpents. So just like the enemy to demonize to demonize the exact attributes of a God-given animal that you need to succeed. You need to be like a wolf, and you need to have the wolf rise up inside of you. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about those attributes that we desperately need as we declare war and as we are going to be overcomers. And so today, we're going to start off that we're going to be like the wolf. And today we're going to talk about the fact that we need to think like a wolf. We need to think like a wolf. We need to begin to, to tell our minds that we're going to think like a wolf. 2 Corinthians 10 says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war. Somebody say war. war. See, you're already at war. But we don't wage war as the world does. No, no, no. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. No, on the contrary, they have divine power. When you have said yes to Jesus, guess what happens? You have divine power. Amen. That's right. You have the wolf that's going to rise up inside of you. You don't have to fight like everybody else. You don't have to fight like your old self. There's divine power that's inside of you. His name is Jesus. Amen. Continue on. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, everybody say captive today. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Our thoughts, we are going to think like a wolf. Our thoughts are important. So you got to make sure that we're going to make sure, we're going to take captive of those thoughts. We're going to have the battle in the mind. And we're going to think like a wolf. Now here's the thing. 
I don't want to just give you this analogy and then have you walk out and be like, yeah, I'm excited today. And then the next thing you know, you find yourself failing again. So what I want to do is I want to give you some very practical, two very practical ways to give you the tools that you need to think like a wolf. Number one is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Negative thoughts can't lead to a positive life. You following with me on that? Negative thoughts can't lead to a positive life. There is the, peer, this, the, the principle of polarity. Just this past week, we were uh, getting, getting ready for a camping trip and, and, uh, and changing out batteries in a, in a light bulb or in the, in the flashlight. And to make that light bulb go on, you got to put the batteries in the right way. You got to have that. You got to have it flowing in the right way. If you put the batteries in the wrong way, guess what? No light. So if you are going to constantly be in the negative, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to constantly be in darkness. Do you want to know what the reward is for negativity? Negativity. <laughs> the more negative thoughts you have, the more negativity that you are going to see around you. This is what sociologists call the frequency illusion. It's a frequency illusion. Anybody, you, you know what it's like because you've been car shopping before. And when you go car shopping and all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know what? That Toyota Corolla, that's a pretty nice Toyota Corolla. But I've got to think about it for a little while. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to go on KBB. I'm going to go, uh, go on Car Guru. All of that stuff. I'm going to make sure that I'm buying the right automobile. And you're sitting there thinking about that Toyota Corolla. And what happens when you're driving around? There are Toyota Corollas everywhere. I didn't realize there were so many Toyota Corollas. There are toy Everybody has Toyota Corollas. I didn't realize how popular they were. I'm making the right choice. I'm making the wise choice. Look at how many, they're all over. It doesn't matter what, that's the frequency illusion. When you start thinking about something, guess what? You're going to find it. If you seek it, you will see it. If you want to seek out negativity, guess what? You're going to find it you're going to find more negativity. The reward for negative thoughts is more negativity. That's why you have to take captive of those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. Why is it, you see it, when there are so many scripture verses regarding our thoughts because God knows how powerful they are. It's a battlefield of the mind. Here, just a couple, Colossians 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. When you say yes, that you become a new creation, that you are born again, you are raised with Christ. You need to set your hearts on things above. Yeah. Right? Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, you need to set your minds on things above. I'm going to think about things above. Heavenly things. Not on things below. Not on the negativity. On the positive. Go on to the next one in Romans Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. If you don't want to live like everybody else, how, how are you going to stop living like everybody else? Here's what you need to do. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's the renewing of the mind. When the old self is gone, there needs to be a renewing of the mind, which means that you need to think differently than you did before. You need to think like a wolf. Jesus said it the best. When asked what the greatest commandment was, he said this in Matthew 22. He said, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God 
with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Negative thoughts cannot lead to a positive life. You gotta stop it. You gotta stop it. Now here's a big thing. There is a huge difference between thinking of something and thinking about something. There's a huge difference between those things because thoughts just pop up, don't they? It just, it just happens, right? Like that person just cut me off, they're a jerk. And then I didn't mean to call them a jerk, the thought just popped into my mind, they're a jerk. I just thought something. But if I sit there and dwell upon it, oh, now I'm gonna cut them off. Oh, you're going to do that to me? Oh, we're going to see how things are going to go right now. I'm going to get in front of them, and then I'm going to slow way down, right? Nobody's ever done that in here. That's the difference between thinking of something and thinking about something. You're going to see a billboard of something that you know you shouldn't be seeing, and you're going to be like, ah, you know what? I, that, that thought just popped into my mind. It's not the first glance. It's the second glance that's going to get you. This is when you find yourself knowing that I don't want to do this anymore. I know that I should stop drinking so much, but yet I'm going to think about it all the time. I know that I should stop smoking this, but yet I'm going to do it all the time. I know that I should stop talking to my spouse this way, but yet I'm, I'm still finding myself because they're, they're just being so mean to me right now. There's a huge difference between thinking of something and thinking about something, which is exactly why we need to take captive of those thoughts. The thoughts are going to come. They just will. We live in a fallen world with fallen thoughts that are going to hit us. But what are you going to do with it? Are you just going to be able to take captive of it? Or are you going to play around with it? You're going to entice it a little bit. I want to be able to. I know I shouldn't, but oh boy. It makes me feel this way. In just a moment. No, you take captive of those thoughts. You don't play around with them. That's declaring war. That's having the wolf rise up inside of you. This isn't a playground. This is a battleground. And I declare war on those thoughts. I declare war in this moment. I'm not going to let those thoughts control me. I'm going to make those thoughts obedient to Christ. We're not playing around here. This is not a summer of fun and games. This is a summer where we are declaring war. And we're going to declare war on those negative thoughts. But it's not just about negativity, right? Because we don't want to focus on all of that either. We don't want to just focus on not being negative all the time. Instead, we want to be able to see the other side of things. You want to be able to see the world differently? You need to look at it differently. If you want a different world, then look at it differently. Look at how your life is differently. It's so powerful. You know, you can't worry and worship at the same time. You can't pout and praise at the same time. You can't grumble and be grateful at the same time. You need to be able to look at it differently. Philippians 4.8, such a powerful verse. I love it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, oh, come on now, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, lovely, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what should you do with it? Think about those things. Think about those things. Let me ask you a question today. Does that describe you? Does that describe your thoughts? Let me ask you this one. Would the people closest to you say that that describes you? Oh, you know what, that person? They're, they're so positive all the time. They're talking about praise and things that are excellent and, and worthy. Now, here's the deal. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about positive thinking be the response to the goodness of God. Because his goodness is there. All the time. Never leaves you. Never forsakes you. He is there for you all the time. It's just what are you focusing on? You can focus on your problem and then you're going to ask yourself, where are you at now, God? You've done it, haven't you? I got this bad problem and I'm focused on it. Where are you at? Or you could be focused upon God and you could say, oh, well, I didn't even realize there was a situation that you were already working in. Where's your focus going to be? If you want to be able to have a different world, you need to start looking at it differently. You need to start thinking about what is excellent, thinking about what is praiseworthy. Well, my marriage is just, just oh, my goodness, it's just, you have no idea how hard our marriage is right now. Why? Well, because she does this and she does that and he says this and he does that. Well, what about the good stuff? Well, I don't know. I haven't even looked at it. What would your marriage look like if you were focused on the goodness of your spouse instead of all the negativity of your spouse? Because there's goodness there. There are things that you can praise them about. Right? Yep. I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and we, just, we were talking about our spouses. And we came to the conclusion at the end of this, and we said, you know what? You're not called to be the coach of your spouse. You are called to be their cheerleader. Yep. Wow. Stop trying to tear them down and just build them up. Rah, rah, rah. You are awesome. They didn't do all the dishes. Yeah, you did one dish. Woohoo! We're starting off someplace. Think about the positive things about what's going on. Can't just sit there and think about all the negative. It's time for us to be able to declare war. It's time for us to be able to stand up and to be able to say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm done, I'm done thinking about all the negativity. But don't just think about the negativity and say, I'm done thinking about the negativity. Because then you're still going to be thinking about the negativity. It's like saying, don't think about pink elephants. Nobody here better think about pink elephants. What are y'all thinking about? Right? Don't do it. Right? It doesn't work that way. You need to think, think about and focus on the things that are uplifting, the things that are powerful for you. Philippians 4, 8, again, think about those things. Think about those things. 
You can't pout and praise at the same time. And I'm ready to praise his name. You can't worry and worship at the same time. And I'm ready to worship with everything that I have inside of me. That I want to fill a life full of gratitude. So I got to get rid of all of the grumbling. I want to be an encourager. I want to be a hope dealer and not a fault finder. That I'm done with all the negativity. And I'm ready for a new day. I'm ready for what God has for me. I'm ready to be able to stand up and shout out a war cry. If you're ready for a new life, if you're ready for able to, to declare war on what God has for you, it's time for you to stand up today. It's time for you to be able to shout out a war cry. Today, I declare war on whatever. Come on, church. Stand up. Shout out your war cry today. Hallelujah. Praise you today. This is our war cry.